348 global from Asia. Today we're talking about shipping and 3PL during this pandemic that seems to never end. And a little bit of a bonus storytelling of friends and cross-border business associates that have been through quite a year after the main show. Let's tune in today. 348. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Again, thank you all for listening, viewing, watching. How's my hair? I'm going to do my favorite stuff with the audio only later, <clears throat> the old school stuff. But today we got a little bit of a snippet. We had a great GFA VIP mastermind session. Marshall Taplets came on, shipitdone.com. A friend of mine, he's a China veteran, American and China veteran, I think 17 years. One of the first friends I made in Shenzhen back in the day. And he is he is back in the States and he set up a 3PL and he's still a huge Amazon seller. And he's giving us some insights to his perspective. He landed there right before the pandemic started and they've been doing some interesting things. So we're going to talk about, you know, a little bit of the, the crazy things that happened in the last year. You know, they restricted shipping into Amazon in March 2020 and, you know, things have been adapting and evolving in Omnichannel and, and, and uh, you know, inventory decisions and strategies for distribution. And just to give you a little bit of hit, you know, some some stuff was happens in our GFA VIP masterminds. And then after, we'll do audio only just with me on this microphone, no video. And I'm going to share maybe uh, four, five, six stories that I wish I can get them on the show, these people. But they've been through traumatic experiences the last year. And I just feel like I want to document this and share it with, with you all. I mean, it's been what a year. What the last 12, 13 months has been for a lot, so many of us, our lives, our businesses have all changed. So let's get into interview with Marshall Tapless, Ship It Done, 3PL, logistics in this pandemic world. Let's go. Mercury.com, thank you for supporting and sponsoring the Global Asia community and this podcast. They are a great solution for USA banking. If you are an international entrepreneur, want to sell in the U.S. or do business in the U.S. or anywhere, honestly, you can get a U.S. bank account. We got so many people asking us on this blog and podcast for the last five, six, seven years, and we're happy to have a partner with us. And we also got a special bonus at globalformasia.com slash mercury. You can then read our view. I've made a little video showing how I apply. We use it for our Amazon business, and you also get a little bonus while, while it's still available. Check it out and... Thanks in advance for supporting the show. All right, we have a good group here, and I, I think there's others that could come up on stage, but we're gonna go to table mode after. So this is a GFA VIP uh, mastermind session today. Today we're gonna be doing a more like Q and A, ask me anything, just talking about some of the trends in supply chain and 3PL with you know Amazon e-commerce just in general, and we have with me. A really good friend, so like a China friend from like first days and first you know year in China for me, Marshall Tablets. Marshall is seventeen years and you lived in China, right? You said what was it, fifteen? Yep, seventeen. Seventeen years, and you've recently moved back stateside. And what's interesting for today, you know, you've been an Amazon seller 
you know, you've been an internet marketer, you know, you've done everything, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you've done all kinds of businesses, which is really fascinating, which we could talk about so many things. But today you've been doing Amazon, I, I don't know, like five, six, six years? I'm losing. Since 2000, the, the company, that, the main one is since 2016. I started wow. selling on eBay in 1998, I checked. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's really me. I was eBay over, so you got me there. But that's great, Marshall. So, so today, you know, I think we'll just have a conversation about what people, you know, a lot of people are asking about, you know, we thought this would be a good topic. Sorry, I, I just have to correct the record. It's 2002 uh, when I graduated high school, not when I went into high school. My okay. No problem, buddy. <laughs> no problem. Still very early. It still got me beat. <laughs> but, but so you, so you're back stateside now, what is it, a couple of years now, I think? I moved back January of 2020. So just okay. as uh, COVID was hitting, we had like two or three days during Chinese New Year before everyone came back to Shenzhen and everyone had no idea what was going on at that time. And the options were to stay, to leave because the border was shutting. And uh, we had already planned the following year to move to the US and you know we had got a house and everything. So we were in a weird situation where we didn't really want to move, but we were you know, kind of set up to anyway. So we just went for it. So we wound up here and then <laughs> yeah i mean similar to me yeah, I mean, everybody I can... kind of just wound up where they were in a way yeah same same i'm deep in mainland china now shenyang my wife's hometown i you know you kind of get dragged here for the chinese new year's once in a while you know how it is and then uh, it's uh it's been a, over a year long chinese new year but yeah so everybody's yeah everybody's stuck where they are now and you know we're doing these online masterminds where everybody's trying to adjust and they still get to connect and but of course, e-commerce has been booming, right? You know, like unbelievable. Yeah, it's been Thank unbelievable. God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to share some of what you've been seeing? I mean, since I mean, I, I remember how scary it was when Amazon stopped receiving shipments in March, mid-March of 2020, right? That was well. I think definitely. I think the the interesting part is you know the from the supply chain perspective so we already know like costs were going up in in china and it was you know getting harder to find you know good buyers and you need higher moqs and you know it was all it was all there but it was kind of evolution right but but with the supply chain stuff going on now it's 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 really you know a, a container can be eight thousand dollars at the wrong time you know I mean, you can get stuck if you're going to europe you know on the suez i mean you, you know the 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 west coast uh, of the united states is completely backed up and Amazon is not making it any easier with their uh, limits and all this. So, you know, it, it was hard enough to, to run the business, you know, just as an Amazon seller and just assuming your your freight forwarder could, you know, get you there kind of DDP and have you, you know, have a warehouse uh, that that dealt with it or shipped it indirectly or whatever you needed to do. But, but now it's just uh, way complicated. You know, you've got to manage got to manage all the things that are changing all the time and you can't manage them all. And and so what I think is people are starting to go look for alternatives and you know, I don't know how long I'm allowed to talk for, but I can keep going if you, want, or um, if you have another question. Yeah, I think maybe I could keep some questions. So, so yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I told some of the people here that I'm, I'm using your, you're just getting started with your service. I feel people have to use third party fulfillments now, like you said, the limitations of Amazon, right? So what's like, I guess, what's a common trend you've seen with, with sellers, you know, now with the, I think the big one is the Amazon limitations, right? You know, so 
So what's, yeah. the so, what's the strategy you see? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to, to, to not self-promote because that's not the purpose of, of this. I just want to share my, my expertise. But, you know, the, with the Amazon uh, sellers who are just getting started, especially, are really having a tough time because they have, like, they're only allowed, what, 200 or something now items yeah. for, for new items. So if you're, not, if you're not big, you already, you know, need a, a 3PL. Whereas you didn't need one before until you were bigger, but now, like if you if you only ship two hundred to Amazon, you've gone through a whole lot of work for what? I mean, you you have no ammo, you've got no product. If it's well, you're out of stock, and if it doesn't sell well, you you know you don't have any ammo to 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 give to giveaways and pushes and whatever else you know you want to do to launch the product. So, so yeah, it's 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 really tough, and so it's pushing people right into a 3PL. And, you know, they find out very soon from there, unfortunately, that the cost of the PL, 3PLs in California are very expensive for obvious reasons. And 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 even worse, they're not e-commerce, you know, special, specialized. And, and, you know, they don't know an ASIN sticker from an FNU, FN, uh, SKU sticker for, from, from a carton label, from, a, you know, they, they don't have a clue. And, and, and you're not even getting the same people that are working on your things, you know, and, and the processes are not... So it's causing a lot of problems and a lot of extra costs for people. It's it's a real problem. Yeah. yeah. So like I'll share my strategy. You know, we're still just getting started. We're gonna do like 40, 40 different listings at once with a factory I partnered with Thailand. And yeah, I mean, like you said, the limit right now is for new sellers in Amazon's two hundred units. It's called IPI, right? Inventory Performance Indicator. And they, they don't let you send more because they want to see how your sales are, right? So once your sales kind of improves, they'll let you put more or send more into Amazon to sell. So so what we're doing is we're, we're sending stuff to Amazon directly. And uh, we're also sending stuff to, to you to hold. And then, you know, it's actually making me think, I even we're talking about this, you know, it makes you almost go multi-channel from the beginning because you already have the stuff somewhere else ready to go. So, you know, you might as well like put it on your website or sell it B2B. My, or, you know, this is yeah. where the advantage, every problem has an advantage, right? And, you know, I was just reading an article the other day from, uh, I forget the guy's name, but the Dollar Shave Club uh, founder who sold to, what was it? Not Unilever, but one of them for a billion dollars or something like that. Any, anyway, so, you know, he was the first with the DTC, the direct-to-consumer model, where he just said, forget it, I'm just going to make a website and I'm going to put ads up and I'm going to sell it, you know, directly on subscription. But he said today, if he were to redo his business, he says, everybody does that. That's the easy part. The hard part is going omni-channel from the beginning. And that is how you get successful in in today. And and I thought about that and I was like, yeah, because I thought about my my e-commerce company that, that we're also an Amazon seller. And I thought, wow, what it took to get multi-channel, multiple channels was really a challenge and it's still a challenge and even all our other channels are still only you know eight percent of of amazon so you know but hey that's growing right i mean that's still almost ten percent at least you're 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 breaking away from just amazon even if it takes a few years so yeah i mean uh, the benefit one of the benefits of of going with a 3pl in the beginning is is you've got a pile of your of your products a separate system out of amazon that you can fulfill from 
you know, you can change things. Like if, you know, you need stickers changed or, you know, something checked, a 3PL is going to be way easier to deal with than Amazon. So yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a downer that you have to, you know, invest in the extra infrastructure up front, but it's an upper that, that you're omni-channel from the, from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like stupid that Amazon does it because it's going to force them to have, you know, we're all going multi-channel. We're not like, we're going to be more diversified. We're forced to be diversified. So yeah, I mean, I even force you to have a website to get brand registry, right? So you already have to have a website with a website up for to be a brand. And so you might as well at least try to sell, you know, and then of course it's cheaper. Obviously, you know, your rates or most three are cheaper than Amazon's, right? Obviously for for fulfilling orders and warehousing, obviously, it yeah, it's it's cheaper and and especially storage and things like that. Like Amazon has a lot of miscellaneous fees, right? So you know you could say, oh well, our fee is a little bit more for this, but then you say, yeah, but we collect a return for a dollar. Let's say you know they they'll charge you the full seven fifty outgoing, you know, as an incoming, as if it was the same amount of work, and then they'll put your bad product back on the shelf so that they can send it out again, so they can you three or four times as it goes through, right? I would never, you know, we would never do that. We we would make sure that your product is fine when it came back or we wouldn't sell it again, right? So it's an, it's just a different level of, of care. And to your point about Amazon, yeah. you know, I think personally they're they're slowly pushing the 3PL sellers out because I think eventually they're going to be need to make a choice between having their own brands or being the marketplace. I think just like India already made the law, I think they're gonna. Have, I think there's gonna be a law eventually. Something like you can't be the platform and the and the seller. And if that happens, then Amazon's gonna have a choice. And at that time, you know, why not stick with your own private label brands? They've got I don't know how many, but tens of maybe if not hundreds of them already. We we don't even know all the names. They're hidden in the system, just like you know, just like just like ours are. So I I think that Amazon is uh, slowly pushing people out of their warehouses, but it'll take a few years. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, to talk about India. So yeah, India said a law that you had to, that Amazon couldn't be both like a broker and a dealer almost, just like stock trading. You can't, you can't make your own trades and also trade for customers. So that's a little bit, a little bit scary. You're maybe thinking that Amazon probably would choose to sell their own products than, than, than like sellers, third-party sellers. That's just my opinion. I mean, I've I haven't read that anywhere. I don't think it's going to happen quick, and I don't think it would be abrupt. Like, I don't think sellers need to worry about that right now. But, but they do need to worry about being omni-channel because, regardless of whether eventually there is no such thing as Amazon FBA, or even whether it's just harder and harder or more and more expensive to compete, I think everybody's talking at least for two or three years now about the importance about not being only dependent on Amazon. And it's very hard not to be. I mean, I can tell you, we have really tried. I mean, uh, we, you know, I, I, I work, I work in and I'm part of a. Well, I don't work in anymore, but I'm part of a top five thousand seller. So we do a fair bit of volume, and you know, it's just, you know, it's just tough. It's just tough. The the the, the advantage. I'm just trying to think. Like it took us years to to move to omnichannel and there weren't really the tools available at that time now there are more cart integrations you know there's more 3pls that can operate with orders coming in from different places so it's like you know just like it's uh hard to get started on anything you know the the tools are all there now so i think if you're going into the business now or if you're you know all amazon 
it's it's really, really, really the right time to be pushing your your own website, whether it's just Shopify or something else. And even though it may seem like a lot of effort for for the value, because it's only going to be a small trickle of sales, but you have to have something. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, all things grow with time, right? And you know, just keep watering your plants. And you'll be there. You'll get 10% of your business, you know, 15% of your business, 20% of your business. And then at least you have that. And and then regardless of what is going on with Amazon, you know, you starting these other levers. And that puts you in the position of power. And then you can even take your business to different three PLs, you know, depending on how you're being treated, and uh, even set up multiple three PLs in different areas of the country to fulfill, you know, more quickly. So there's a lot you can do. Um, with a 3PL. So I uh, see a question. So are you saying using your own website and sell via 3PL? I'm saying that most people start on Amazon, but because of Amazon's inventory limits, then you kind of 3PL almost right away, which is not something that you needed in the past until you were bigger. So now that you need a 3PL pretty much in the beginning anyway, I believe the strategy is to go omni-channel as quick as you can, which means to get on your own website and get on Mart and get on anything else that you can so that in time you are a brand across channels. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, just, just to recap, double recap, basically, I mean, Amazon during the COVID crisis started really limiting inbound shipments because their warehouses were full. They had delays receiving, obviously the whole world's been like going through a lot with the coronavirus. So, but they never really seem to open it back back up too much, you know, or they're, they're still messing with this thing called IPI, Inventory Performance Indicator. And what they do is, especially new sellers, they limit you to 200. So like, like I mentioned earlier, like I'm, I'm starting a new brand and, you know, we opened the Amazon account, which is already a, a huge leap to get an account open, <laughs> you know, to see even get an account. And, you know, and then you try to send, send stuff there, but they, they limit you to 200 units, which is, isn't a lot. It, you know, like at least hopefully it gets unless it's a really expensive item. But so, so yeah, like I, I work, working with Marshall to send, so I send direct to Amazon for the 200 units from Thailand and then send some other maybe containers or other, you know, overstock or other more stock. But then what the point is, why just let it sit there like a warehouse? Why not actually sell from there? Why not actually ship, sell on your Shopify site? Why not sell on Walmart? Why not sell on other forms? So th that's what's been happening this year, especially. So that's why Marshall has been, you know, how's business? People are, you know, I know you've been working with, you do it yourself and you also have clients. You know, how 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 is it going? Like, what so you it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's it's gone. I mean, it's it's taken off, which is which is good and bad. I mean, it's it's good that you know we've got the business. It's it's bad because the re the need is is because of all these problems with COVID and Amazon and and all that. What I find is that most of the customers really want to be on the West Coast. They export from China and they just you know they're used to going to California and and they don't really care you know what's going on. And it and it's quicker you know and it's traditionally cheaper. So that's understandable. But what we're finding is a lot of customers that are in houses on the West Coast are contacting us and saying, can we move our stock to you guys because we want to fulfill out of Shopify and, and whatever. And you guys can do that in addition to holding our stock. Our current warehouse can't. And our current warehouse stock, you know, like uh, per order fees are very expensive. They're not FBA experts. They're just a regular warehouse. So by coming to Pennsylvania, where we are, 
you know, it's the complete opposite side of the country. So it's, you know, it's much easier. You can come into the port of Baltimore. You can come into the port of New York. It's not backed up, you know, we're a three and a half hour drive. The storage costs are a fraction you know, the labor costs are a fraction. So if you need a base, you know, just like you'd rather be in your hometown, you know, in China than in Shanghai, you know, if you're trying to save money and get yourself going, it's, it's, it's the same thing with this. It's like, if you're, if you've already got a high volume, you know, high profitability product that you're, you know, fulfilling successfully out of California, that's great. You know, but but if you're getting started and you you know you don't want to have as much cost, and you don't care that it takes two more weeks to get here initially, once it's here, it's great. And we found that the customers are happy with our system that they can see their inventory. A lot of the other warehouses they don't give you inventory access unless you're much bigger, and they make it like a whole IT production, you know, for like five hundred dollars to get you going and. I just create an account in our WMS, right? And they, you know, give you a login. So it's just a different feeling that I think our customers are understanding now, you know, or they understood from the beginning. It's just that, you know, we, we know what we're doing. We're doing it for ourselves, you know, as much as we can. And and on clients has been great. And also if you're exporting from India or Pakistan or, or Europe or anything like that, then going to the East Coast makes sense regardless. It's a straight shot. So. Okay, awesome. I think uh, I, I want to maybe have more time with the network, the table mode. I mean, that's what makes these really special. But I thought we would just do a little little bit, giving everybody here a background. I think we're going to move to table mode now for, for networking and Q&A. And you kind of hear and know other people in the group and what they're working on. They're, some, are, some are different sellers or some are in uh, software and, and services. So I think we can do that. Before I do that, I did say I would make an announcement today to people in the membership. We're gonna try something new in May. We've been doing these like every couple of weeks for for a few months now. And, but we're gonna basically compact these into one day per month. At least we're gonna test in May. And Marshall, you're also invited uh, to be part of this or give me feedback. But basically we're gonna collect, we did cross-border matchmaker before. We're gonna do cross-border matchmaker online. I don't wanna move the summit to be online, but basically we're gonna have these an online events uh, once a month, or let's just try May, May 21st, Friday. So it'll be because the time zone is so hard, but we're going to try 6 p.m. to midnight on China time, which would be 6 a.m. I know it's early for, you know, it's already early for you, but 6 a.m. to East Coast time. So the idea is we'll have like three or four sessions like this, you know, like where we can have some experts, some, some people in the industry sharing, and then we'll go into table mode. And then we'll go back to a new, a new t- so we, that's where it's going to be like matchmaker. So we want to take people in a membership. We want to take people in our community and we want to spotlight them. Instead of doing this like every couple of weeks where it's, it's a small, small session, we're going to have like a more high impact once a month session starting next month, May 21st, crossbordermatchmaker.com. So I just want to make sure that I make that announcement. I can collect feedback from everybody in the table mode, but before we switch back, I want to make that announcement. So also last thing for the, for the thing, of course, Marshall, you know, how can people find you? Shipdone.com, right? Yeah, www.shipitdone.com. You can just contact uh, us through there. There's a contact form. If you just have a question, there's a create account. All the uh, button if you want to create an account all the pricing is there pricing as always is dependent on your specific situation so if you have any questions or something you know doesn't make sense just let us know yeah we're happy to help okay thank you so much marshall so stick stay right here we're going to switch into table mode okay just like before
tfavip.com. I like the name. Some people think we got to make some kind of cool elite circle or something, but it's about VIP. If you enjoy these free podcasts, free content, free newsletters, etc., and want to get more involved with me and others in the community and as well as support financially this, this show, it is much appreciated. We do try to have member benefits and we have these masterminds like we did with Marshall and other sessions and we're continuously looking for ways to thank and reward these members it's a fair price as well so check it out at gfavip.com thank you in advance thank you marshall thank you so much i was happy to have him on the show and then we did some live q a again and we're trying to give bonus and value to our supporters our gfa vip members thank you for those that are supporting there of course i love giving out free content free information here but we are you know trying our best to make a good balance and feedback from any of you is appreciated. Okay. So I hope you got some ideas there. You know, you got basically got to go multi-channel from day one or at least be ready for it. Amazon kind of even forced us. It's a little bit scary, but we're on our own. We're big, big boys and girls, right? When we, we got to fend for ourselves. Let's go into the second section. This will be audio only. I think this will be a good one. I'm going to spend a little bit of time. I might rant. It'll be a little bit of a longer blah, blah, blah session. But I'm going to give some stories and some insights of what I've hear, heard and experienced. Well, you guys know my story, but some other crazy stories. People getting married, you know, some traumatic deaths, some you know, businesses changed, some separation from families, visas etc so it's uh it's, it's an interesting one and uh, i'm gonna share anonymously because uh, i can get them to share with us on the show so i hope you enjoy this special little bonus i want to kind of document this for everybody and let's all appreciate that we're making it through this in you know really in crazy year okay let's do this all right i'm on the mic i'm on a microphone don't get that video on me i, I don't know i still prefer audio only i Feel more of a connection. Get your hot coke, cup of cocoa, marshmallows. Let's share some stories, some war stories. I love this community. I love this international business world. And, you know, we all knew it would be risks traveling away from our home countries, you know, opening up companies, making business relationships, making friendships, you know, love relationships, having children, you know, structuring companies, investing apartments so i have a few stories you know over the last year or so we have had some people sharing with us their 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 stories but some have really juicy ones that just they just don't want to come on so i feel like it's been over a year since the pandemic started and i keep hearing these crazy stories and i feel like they should be shared so i can't share their names and i'm trying to not share identifying information but uh, let me let me just go down a list I have here. Okay. Maybe some of you will be able to figure out some of these people, I'm thinking. But I'm going to try. I, I, I'm going to try to share without uh, revealing information. A lot of people do business in Southeast Asia and in mainland China. I mean, myself included. I, I was in Thailand for a while and, and uh, Philippines for a while. And I was so lucky to make it into China just before the border crossed, closed. I mean, they only gave us two days notice. So friend 
one, member one, or, you know, community member one, he was, I think it was Chinese New Year holiday in some islands in Southeast Asia. And of course, the pandemic came and he wasn't sure should he go back or not, or should he wait? Myself included, I was in the Philippines thinking the same thing. Do I wait? Do I go? So he waited. And similar timing as me, he came back, but he didn't pick to fly into mainland China. He flew into Hong Kong, which many of us, especially down in South China and Shenzhen and Guangzhou area, often fly into Hong Kong. You know, figure due to quarantine there and then just cross over. So he, he lands around the same time as me in late March 2020. And we were actually talking. We were having calls about our quarantine differences and, you know, trying to keep us both occupied and positive. And then, I don't know what day it was, but there was an announcement that the China, mainland China, Hong Kong border was going to be closing. And I think it was like they gave us two days notice. And he was in quarantine, maybe like halfway through his quarantine. So when we were talking about, it, I'm like, man, I don't know what you can do. He's like, I can't get out of quarantine and I can't go. So he couldn't go. And he's like, well, I guess they'll open a border soon. He was trying to get somebody to give him a job to get to China. He was trying to, you know, figure out how to get married to his Chinese girlfriend so that he could go in. He was trying to figure out business deals um, paperwork, you know, meeting all these people in Hong Kong, I was making some introductions, nothing seemed to work, you know, he did an online MBA, he, he had apartments in Shanghai and Shenzhen, he had to lose his apartments, he had to ask friends to move out of his place, because he didn't want to keep paying rent, he, you know, I think something happened with his job in Shanghai, you know, discontinued. And now he somehow got into Shenzhen recently and he is getting married to his girlfriend and going to Australia. Total life change. I mean, can you imagine this? I, I Maybe we'll get him on the show. I, I guess if you know him, you'd know the story. But uh, that's just an amazing, total life changing. Like you have apartments in... Shanghai, Shenzhen, you're traveling between there for your, you know, your girlfriend and friends in Shenzhen, you're working in Shanghai. You go down Southeast Asia for Chinese New Year, island hopping, and then your life changes. <laughs> your job, your apartment, your things. Then you get married, you immigrate to Australia, you do a whole new job or career. I mean, man, reinvention right there, right? Story two. Mmm. Again, it's kind of hard to not self-identify in some, you know, he another, uh, you know, Westerner doing business in Shanghai, also going between Vietnam and Shanghai or China often doing supplier verifications, has a, you know, work visa in China but isn't sure about how long to get quarantined there, is in Vietnam at the time, has been in Vietnam, which has been somewhat safe, and then, 
if he doesn't go back to China soon, his work permit will expire because I think it's a yearly thing that you got to renew and you got to do it in person. Or if you don't do it, you'll lose it and it'll be really hard to get another one. So he's like thinking, do I go back to China now, go through a quarantine and get kind of stuck there just to keep my work permit active so that I can continue to remain in China because he has an active work permit? Or does he let his work permit cancel and he can not get back into China for a very long time? This is a discussion I had on my birthday last week with him. So he's deciding, do I go back to China, go through quarantine so I can keep a work permit to be able to go into China? Or do I stay in Vietnam and lose my work permit and not sure when I can go back to go back to China? That's the decision. Story three. Chinese New Year story again. Went down to Australia. Pretty cool place I haven't been. He does... Uh, you know, basically English, English kind of teaching in, in China, Shanghai. And, uh, you know, originally thought it would just be a, a, a short term, like, you know, shutdown, you know, like a lot of us in March, you know, February, March, April, you know, maybe come back April, May. He'd been in Australia for a long time. He was doing online classes for his students through his school. And finally they paid for him to come back. And I must've paid a lot, but he's back. I guess it's kind of a boring story, but you know, for a long time, he wasn't sure. He was like, he had a nice picture. Send me a picture. He was at the beach in Australia. That's maybe a soft one. Okay. Story four. another friend, uh, Chinese, he's a uh, European. I won't go too much identifying in Vietnam. I don't in Thailand went down for, for work. I think he had projects there, training, and consulting and his wife is Chinese in China I won't say the city and he has a daughter and he also wasn't sure when to go back or how to go back and he's been stuck in Thailand still he doesn't have a work permit but he has real estate in China he has a wife he has a daughter a young daughter I think you know five years old or less he can't go back he is so angry because he says he speaks fluent Chinese. He's lived there for 15 years. He has a Chinese wife, a child, a real estate, and he can't come back. I'm losing track of how many numbers stories I'm on, so I'm not going to say the next number. Next one. He was in China during the pandemic wasn't able to re continue to renew his visa also is married to a Chinese well not married to a Hong Kongese so that's the difference um, married to Hong Kongese in China with three children went to Hong Kong and couldn't, can't get back started working in Hong Kong you know just trying to adapt, waiting for the border to open, waiting for the border to open. Finally, he's going back to London. Literally, like last week or two weeks ago, he messaged me. He's not sure which vaccine to get, so he got the Western vaccine instead of Chinese vaccine and went back to London and is probably going to try to figure out how to get his wife and children there. Okay. I'm trying to think. 
I think that's maybe enough stories for today. Let me know what you think of that little bonus session. But it's just this this trauma. You know, it's like tra- trauma. I mean, I can't say the last one I know. But it's, it's a little bit of a hearsay. But it's a friend of a friend. And he was separated from his family. Isolated somewhere. You know, I don't think he had much other family. And he, he, he killed himself. In Hong Kong. Um, Recently, maybe a month or two ago. He just... I don't know, maybe he was also had financial problems, separated from all of his family and loved ones. I don't know much more details, but he, I don't know how he killed himself, but he he did because my good friend, I don't think this is BS, but I'll leave that as a last story. But yeah, I mean, we just gotta, we just gotta stay strong. I know, like I said, I love this community. I love these people. We're, we're, we're international business people. We love traveling. We love meeting new people. We love dealing and. It's high risk, you know. Who wouldn't thought the borders are closed? There's so many other friends are, are still separated from their loved ones, their friends, their business partners, their employees. It's really an unbelievable time. It'll be in the history books for a long, long time. But we have to stay positive. We have to keep our humanity, you know. And we will, we will get through this and we will be stronger. We have to just believe that. So I hope this session has been interesting to you in this troubling time. Maybe this made hearing these scary stories maybe made you feel better, maybe in a weird way. But we're all going through so much, okay? You know, financially, in business, families. You know, for me, I'm kind of feel somewhat stuck here. I could try to, you know, get the family for somewhere else, but quarantines, airplanes, you know, long-term visas, schools, we're all kind of seem stuck for a little while so we just gotta stay strong all right it's mike michelini at global from asia podcast over and out to get more info about running an international business please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com that's www.globalfromasia.com also be sure to subscribe to our itunes feed thanks for tuning in